I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is brought to you by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Like every freaking day. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12pack. Nextiva.com forward slash 12pack to get started. Do it or get a punch in the face. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Subscribe. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Bowen, and we are not talking basketball. We are... I, I, I hit I hit the mute button on every NBA slogan, hashtag, name you could possibly do. Every Major League Baseball, I've muted it all. I'm all college football all the time right now, Rob. How are you, sir? <laughs> That's good, because I, I really am like almost all college football all the time right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am so excited. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, we are cranking through the offseason and we're starting to pick off teams we're going to go through uh the spring news uh just some roster questions and whatnot as we go through spring football which is amazing that it's already happening um thanks to everybody if you really want some schadenfreude uh check out our arizona fired sean miller podcast that's like the one college football thing we're going to talk about in the offseason but now it is a clear smooth path to the best sport in in America. And we're going to talk about ASU and Utah this week, going through uh, each program. We're going to talk some advanced stats, some roster questions. And Rob, where do you want to start? Which team? Let's start with with Arizona State. Uh, I mean, obviously last season was bizarre and strange, and particularly for ASU, where they had um, the COVID stoppage and all that stuff. But, you know, as you're looking over what, what they have, what stood out for you? I think what really you know stands out for me, uh, you know, for ASU really is they're they're returning a decent amount, uh, you know, on defense, um, and they were pretty good against the pass last season. I mean, it is you know as you hit on like ASU um, is one of the teams that I probably feel you know the least confident with you know our handle on them in the data, um, just because they had so few games. They were you know it was sort of up and you know um, I, I don't want to say up and down, start and stop. <laughs> if you will. Uh, and you know how that season rolled on, uh, for them. I do think that they're, you know, the, uh, you know, what, what really worked for them, um, you know, though, was that their past defense for the most part really kind of worked for them. 
Um, they graded out pretty well in beta rank last season and effective pass at number 19. And I thought Marvin Lewis w- was really good, you know, so I, 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 I like, you know, I like where they've, you know, been going, uh, you know, talent wise. I mean, they started to recruit pretty well again. Their, their two year rolling recruiting ranking and rivals is at 20. Um, you know, so the, the, you know, they're starting to have some, you know, get some more talented players on the roster too. Yeah. And let, let's start with the quarterback, obviously Jaden Daniels returns and, I really think it starts and stops with him because, I mean, you watch that UCLA game and granted it was their first game. It was disjointed, but you just went, oh, woof, like, oh, no, you know, they have all this young talent at wide receiver. It was really hard to get the ball down the field. Um, And when you take a look at his season statistics, you know, 58 percent completion rate, 700 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. He continues just to his credit. I mean, he just takes care of the football. Um, He might not. He might like be you know, herky jerky sometimes, but he's not throwing interceptions. He didn't last year. Uh, this past year, again, only one toss in the games that they played. Um, and, and was able, one of the things that was interesting for me now, granted he played USC that had major, major issues (laughs) covering anybody that ran the football as did Arizona. So, um, but that still doesn't change the fact that he had, um, a pretty fun breakout season on the ground, 223 yards, four touchdowns, about seven yards per carry. Um, and you know, if, if he can really put it all together, th- this really is a, a team that ba- not only does beta rank see, but I think my eyes and on paper, um, could be a, a contender for the PAC 12 South and make it to the PAC 12 championship. If, if Jane Daniels can really, um, f- you know, fall into form as an upperclassman in uh, Tempe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the you know, the, the, I think the book is, is in sort of, sort of in on him on, um, you know, what, what he's going to be as a passer, he, his accuracy issues are, are still there that we talked about, you know, and he, you know, pro football focus on the tape didn't grade him out very highly for accuracy. But as you said, like, you know, if you're not turning the ball over and you're able to add on something with your legs, you can absolutely work. Right. And I, I and I think that's, that's the main thing, right. I mean, in particular for him, like not turning the ball over like interceptions, turnovers are killer. Um, so, you know, keeping a handle on the football, you can, you can have a, a, a modern quarterback who's going to hover, you know, and he didn't have, you know, they had the, the new offensive coordinator in was that kill last season. So they were doing, a, you know, a little less dink and dunk. I mean, he had so many completions at or near the line of scrimmage the year before that really pushed up his accuracy, but, or I mean, his completion percentage, if you're talking about, you know, quarterback, you can get away. If he's not throwing, if he's not throwing interceptions, if he's adding something with his legs, you know, you can absolutely live with a sub 65% completion percentage these days um, for Daniels. And I think that, you know, with, I'm interested to see, they were, they graded out really well running the football last season uh, in beta rank. They were number five in effective rush. Uh, It's tough. Again, I, I mean, small sample. They didn't, they only played one pretty good run defense and that was UCLA. UCLA was mostly strong up the middle with Odigazua. Um, you know, and they had, you know, but they ran, I mean, they ran roughshod. USC really struggled to stop them on the ground. I mean, Arizona was basically playing like, I think five walk-ons in that game on defense. And then then Oregon Oregon State State, (laughs) really struggled on defense last year again, too. I mean, so that's like, I want to see that this offense, because I think, you know, the difference between how a lot of people in Tempe feel about, the offensive line improvement, including the beat writers. I mean, I think the, the beat writers really do, uh, you know, feel like the offensive line is, you know, has taken a step forward. 
Um, I, I thought, you know, D certainly played better. Um, that said, um, you know, like pro football focus didn't love the offensive line play again. And they had them, they had them ranked pretty low. Um, so that's where I, I want to see, right. I want to see, I want to see that this running game work, you know, against the full schedule, um, you know, not just, uh, not just against, you know, USC, you know, with, with Tufele, who with Tufele opting out, um, you know, and Arizona and Oregon state. Yeah. And we're not making an excuse for ASU. I'm legitimately excited about them. Yeah. This yeah. Um, and, and you know, you mentioned the offensive line, you know, four of those pieces return, including Deesh, um, he comes back, Donovan West comes back, Henry Haddis, who's a grad transfer or transfer from Stanford. I'm not sure if he was a grad or not. I have to go back and double check. Um, but the fact that, uh, all, like basically they're putting together that line, it, and I understand that uh, <laughs> that uh, Pro Football Focus wasn't as big of a fan of their line, but the fact that we they were such a big question mark for us coming into the year, um, and ended up not being a mess um, as, as we went throughout the year. Plus, returning the starters. Plus, the other thing that I think Herm has done such a good job with it's just recruiting everybody and anybody at the offensive line position. I mean, they really yeah. have sucked up a lot of players to ASU because they understood that they really needed to shore up that line. So um, I think they're also going to have the depth on that front. And then you add the fact that, again, like you mentioned, they had a really solid running game. And granted, the the talent that they played against was, I'm not quite certain. But the fact, like, they did everything they needed to do in terms of, like, the, the numbers on the rushing game. I really thought Rashad White had a solid year. Uh, Demonte Trainum um, also is, is a player that steps out. And then they also, like, have been recruiting fairly well um, outside of them at the running back position, too. I mean, I mean, and those two guys were were pretty um, pretty well known uh, folks that were coming into the program um, on their own. I don't know. I'm uh, I, I'm pretty bullish on the offense. Then you had the fact that on the offensive side, did you see this? They added Brian Thompson, the the Utah wide receiver. No, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So not only do they have Elijah Badger, um, LV Bunkley Shelton's going to come back. Um, and I think uh, Badger had, I mean, he had the, the academic issues, but it seems like he's going to see the field this year, which would be really exciting. They have Chad Johnson Jr. I mean, they have, I mean, obviously that recruiting class that they brought in in 2019, I think it's 2019 or 2020, yeah. whichever one it was with like the 17 awesome wide receivers, they return and they got Brian Thompson. And I have no idea why Brian Thompson decided to go to ASU you um i really liked him a lot he was my like sneaky good player at utah that kind of just got bare and we'll talk about utah's wide receiving core um where you know that that offense i mean they're looking at the tight ends they're looking to run the ball uh they were throwing the ball more the this past year but they really didn't throw it to the outside guys so i understand why thompson transferred i don't understand rob why he transferred to asu that seems like that's a really crowded uh, area they have. They have Gordon Porter there. Um, who's the guy? Ricky Pearsall, who's like going to be the security blanket for them. You know, it's like third and five and he's going to get the ball. I just think there's a lot of options on paper yeah. if Daniels could hit him. But uh, right. I don't know. Why do you think he would transfer? I mean, I, I, you understand why he, I mean, I understand anyone leaving Utah after that way that offense flamed out last season, <laughs> you know, for the Utes. Uh, it certainly felt, I mean, it, not just certainly felt, I mean, it was a pretty big offensive regression. And I think, you know, he really had questions about, you know, the ability, you know, I mean, Bentley didn't rock the world last season. Um, you know, you have questions about, you know, their ability to really get a downfield passing game going um, with the youth. So I get that. I, yeah, I'm with you, though, like transferring to ASU. I mean, he, he may have looked at it and said, like, I've, I, you know, I've been in I've been at a power five program for you know a while. I've been in a you know college weight room a while. Maybe I have an advantage over some of these guys that are still pretty young at ASU. 
But I mean, they must have certainly, you know, brought him in with, you know, a, a pretty decent offer to compete for some playing time, you know, but there's, I mean, really, like if you were going to look around the conference, like I'm, I'm a little surprised he didn't end up at Oregon state or I mean, like a place where there's, you know, like more of a, more of a, <laughs> more of a wide, some wide open playing time maybe ahead of you. Yeah. It was, it was super interesting, but like, I mean, it doesn't really matter for ASU, the fact that they got um, a really solid wide receiver out of Utah that I think kind of didn't get the attention that he deserved. He was like the that one player at Utah, and we're like, that cat can stretch the field. <laughs> like, I like that. I mean, he averaged 22 yards a catch. I just didn't see the ball a lot. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I was I was pretty excited when I saw the fact that he bounced over there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's kind of like an on paper an embarrassment of riches. And then, Rob, I forgot to mention this, but, like, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, nodding off all the – uh, the offensive lineman at uh, at ASU, and I forgot to mention, I mean, Donovan West comes back, and he's somebody that the staff has been really high on. I think he started as a freshman, and then Darius Henderson also has exp- like there there are bodies here, and like there's a lot of potential, and and they just got two tight ends to to come into the program, and that's kind of like Zach Hill's you know forte. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more. Of a, I, I hesitate to call Boise State a pro style offense, but it's definitely more of a an offense that incorporates more 11 type personnel than certainly they were running, you know, and they do, they are like, you know, it, I think it will help Daniels too, to potentially, um, if he can get the wide receivers going to the outside, that should open up the middle along with the running game. And he might be able to use the tight end as a security, you know, a security blanket pretty effectively. You know, I like, we didn't get to see as much of the Hill offense as I would really like. I mean, I, I have, um, both from watching the Boise version of it, watching the Washington version of it. I I have some complaints when I watch the Boise offense, but I'm interested to see Hill outside of Boise. You know, how does he run it? Right. I mean, they try to be multiple, which sometimes, you know, works really well. Um, it can be gimmicky at times, but you know, the, the ability to run the, what they established last season, it felt like, and then some of their games, which is the ability to run the football really should open things up for them. Right. I mean, it should open things up in the passing game because teams, you know, like USC, like Arizona and like Oregon state, were certainly having to bring down their safeties to try to contain the run game and, and then ending up in trouble in the pass game. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting was they brought in um, Jalen Conyers. Now, they had some other uh, transfers last year, I believe, and they were more of like a blocking role. But Conyers like is a four star like blue chip tight end out of Oklahoma that comes in. And it was funny. I was listening to the Speak of the Devils podcast. They're talking about, oh, he's more of a, a catch first tight end. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, that. yes. Thank you. Um, you know, I and, and it's probably lazy, but like I love when there's a catch first tight end that just that big target that's really hard to tackle um and is just a problem uh and and i think he could fill that role for zach hill so i'm kind of excited to see what they're able to do with him um i think it's like i think this offense could be really solid it's just can daniels get to that next level and put them in contention because he certainly has the tools all around him uh to make a difference Uh, anything else on the offense here i mean that's the that's the thing i think to watch i mean one is you know, like, I mean, I guess if you were going to say, like, is this offense going to meet expectations? You want to see the offensive line improve, you know, off of what we've seen last year, right? And, you know, if they're able to do that and hold up, then then you know, things will work. Does the running game hold up, you know, like, a, you know, against the full schedule when they get, you know, to, when they get to Utah, a team I expect to be pretty good against the run. How, do, how, does, how does it hold up for them, right? And they're going to, they're not going to have necessarily, you know, I think when you look at it, they may not have... I mean, they have the Huskies on the schedule. 
as well. I mean, they have some they have some decent defenses that they're going to you know play this season uh, as well. And then for Daniels, I mean, he you know in this Zach Hill offense, does the, does the does his inaccuracy down the field burn him if he is thrown down the middle late? You know, like that. You know, like is he able to keep the turnovers down in an offense that I think expects more of him, right? And if he is, then I think this offense could be you know really good. Right on. Well, hey, let's get to their defense, which is also quite interesting, and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back talking Sun Devils football. I almost said basketball, Rob. Oh, my gosh. Like, we do, we, uh, Arizona State fans do not want us to talk about their basketball program right now. That's, that's for certain. Um, although Bobby Hurley is, is still bringing in good talent there. Uh, let, let's talk about football here. Let's talk about their defense. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I, we like, – well, we uh, Baderink had – ASU's defense in a pretty good spot coming into the 2020 season. And it seemed like they basically met those expectations, Rob. Yeah. I mean, we had them projected at 25. They finished at 29. I mean, so hurrah for for just a a small error. Yeah. And like our questions coming in, I mean, I thought the the biggest question I really had, because they were bringing some talented players back was, you know, with Danny Gonzalez moving on to be the the head coach at New Mexico, switching up scheme a little bit away from that rocky long three three five, um, and, and you know Lewis, who hasn't called, hadn't been a primary play caller since his days with the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, how how is that all going to shake out? And it it worked. Like, I thought Lewis did a really good job. Um, you know, like adapting to the college game. Um, you know, which isn't, is not always easy. And I thought he, you know, like his time that he had spent, um, you know, as a kind of a consultant around the ASU program, you know, as a defensive, you know, uh, you know, uh, off the field assistant, I think it, it really paid off and I think they did a really good job. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting is, uh, the defensive line, right? They return, uh, Jermaine Lole, um, DJ Davidson, Shannon Foreman. Um, one, one of the things that we had talked about, with Hithliday was, okay, you know, a lot of teams in the Pac-12 are recruiting at a fairly high level, but they're not getting those trench players. Well, they go out and they get Omar Norman Lott, who is a top 400 player in the country as a defensive tackle. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if he actually sees the field this year, but the fact that they're able to pull in somebody like that, I think is a really good sign. Um, and then they get Trevez Moore, a four-star uh, kid out of LSU that's going to help them out at the line as well. So even dipping into the transfer portal here and being able to pull out a couple things, how, like what were their run numbers again in terms of uh, how they were able to stop the Roman defense? So their split was they were at 44 in effective rush, 19 in effective pass. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty solid. Joe Moore, another kid, high three-star with 28 offers, including Oregon, that um, is on the roster. So I just think that there's some really interesting pieces, again, on the defensive line. And then when you take a step back and you look at the linebacking core, I mean, Merlin Robertson returns. Now, 
you know, uh, like his freshman year, he was amazing. And then I think he was in the doghouse a little bit and then the COVID year. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see that his development, cause I really loved watching him play, uh, his first season. Well, now he's an upperclassman and, um, let's see if he's able to, to put together something that's really solid. You have Darian Butler who returns, um, Kyler Sole, uh, is also there. So, I mean, like there, there, I think the, the linebacking core, I'm not as big on the depth. I'm curious to see, um, you know, if you're ASU fan, let us know about the depth uh, behind those three guys. And if I'm butchering the name, it's the offseason. So my apologies. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, they do have that that top three experience there. Um, and I think that, you know, like that, that should be really interesting to see. And I, I know that ASU fans really liked Butler last year. Yeah, I mean, they've got some they've got some good and interesting players, uh, you know, for sure. I think that there's I, I like where they are in their secondary, I, I feel like in particular, you know, I wouldn't like, you wouldn't necessarily say they're great, but they're good. Um, and certainly good enough to cover most of the pack, you know, and to be able to hang in the pack 12. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're definitely a team that, uh, you know, if the defensive line can improve and, and keep the linebackers clean, you really like the, you know, Robertson could have an, another really big year. Um, you know, I think this year, cause he, he really benefited, uh, I'm trying what was the guy that they had from Ohio state that transferred in that ended up being pretty good, you know, like not great, but like mostly kept, you know, mostly, uh, you know, ate up blockers and, and kept, you know, Robertson clean that year. I, I think, you know, that could work again. Um, if they're able to do that. Yeah. You know, I talked about the secondary. So Jack Jones was suspended for most of the year last year and, um, uh, Tamarcus Davis came in. And uh, played pretty well while he was out, and so that that's always a nice surprise. You're like, oh no, our like you know former five star transfer from USC is out, and then uh, to be able to have a little bit of depth there, I think is exciting. Chase Lucas returns. Um, they have some safety, uh, you know, some safeties there that are interesting. Um, I don't know. Overall, like you just look at this roster, and it shows you why not only beta rank, but I think a lot of people are excited about seeing ASU this year. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, like I think this defense in particular is a is a is a unit that I think has an opportunity. Last year, we had them pegged sort of at the you know the top twenty five defense, you know, creeping up and improving, and and you know they had really improved in in uh, Gonzalez's first year into the forties. And then we had him projected to take another big jump. I, I think this season you could really see ASU getting into a top 20 defense, um, you know, which would be, uh, again, like be a really solid step forward for for them, I, I think, from where they had been and where they finished a couple of years ago. And then we have the son, Rob, the son of Jay Feely, the uh, the crowned prince of kicking. <laughs> if Jace Feely comes in and he's going to be uh, battling to, to kick uh, through the uprights there, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, it's interesting when we take a look at, uh, teams, normally there's a lot of turnover, but the COVID rules this year, I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty similar feel for a lot of returning. What's that? Is Turk returning? All right. Behind the curtain, I had to, I had to go back and make sure that Turk was part of the roster, but yes, he is. He's on the team and they got, they got a puncher, I think from Florida state. So we're going to have a, a kicker's duel and a puncher's duel, Rob. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see this. Uh, I mean, Turk being back, I think really helps. I think what I did the preview on the, the video preview, I thought he was already gone, but he's not. It looks like he's going to be back, which is a really big for the thing for them. I mean, have they they had a pretty good special teams unit last year, having Turk there, um, you know, and only having to to you know battle you know the the battle for the kicking position. I think really um, you know helps them with their hidden yards. They've they've been pretty good on returns. 
uh, as well. So I, I'm excited to see, you know, uh, their special teams. And because and, if that number holds up, um, it give, I think it gives this, you know, this, this ASU team, which we, we have projected at number uh, 18 over, wait, is it 19 overall in beta rank? It gives them a shot to, to potentially make that, you know, and um, uh, live up to the expectations coming into this year of being a top 20 team. So taking a look at the articles that are being written out um, and the interviews that are being had with the ASU staff, what, what are the things that you're going to be looking for um, after spring practice? Kind of the things that you want to, you know, maybe peek under the hood and see who's emerging or who, who's being able to push for playing time. I want to see how the wide receiver, you know, position slotting in. You're probably, we're probably not going to necessarily get too much on that, but is anyone emerging, you know, like, and you'll hear that in, you know, camp, um, you know, like so-and-so is having a good day, having a good camp, that kind of thing um, to start to see. Cause I do think that they are they're you know, they only had those four games last season, um, you know, a little bit of a wacky. They're going to have to be more multidimensional, I think, on offense than they were last year. And then I want to hear, I mean, you hear, this is, this is sort of, you know, like one of the famous things too of, of, of camp, right? You're here, you will hear, oh, you know, like this, this unit looks better. They're absolutely dominating. And you're like, oh, well, uh, I, should I take this with a grain of salt, right? Like, so where does ASU's, uh, you know, defensive line, like I do expect them to do pretty well in camp against the offensive line. If I start, however, hearing that, you know, the offensive line is doing pretty well, that might be, you know, give me some indication that the offensive line um, is going to hold up better, you know, coming into this season. And I, I think those are the things I really want to hear, uh, you know, about the Devils is, you know, how their wide receiver room shaking out and then, um, you know, how the offensive line and defensive lines are going in camp. And it's an indication of the changing nature of college football where you just look at this roster and you go, man, they did a really good job dipping, like dipping into the transfer portal, right? They filled two spots on the offensive line and they ended up staying and Deesh and Haddis. Um, they're, they're picking up pieces where they need them. That four-star tight end that I'm sure Zach Hill was really, really all up on <laughs> trying to get him to go to ASU. Um, you add some depth at wide receiver and Brian Thompson. Uh, you add some depth on the defensive line with, uh, some LSU transfers, uh, or with a LSU transfer, my apologies. Uh, anyway, just, it's kind of exciting. Jack Jones, right. Transfer from, uh, um, from USC. So it's just a lot of pieces that, that Herm has been able to put in that are like actually seeing the field. I think sometimes you see teams that go to the transfer portal and then they just kind of sit on the bench still. Um, whereas these players are actually seeing the field and having some, pro- uh, some production uh, throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I think they've done a good job of when they recruit guys in, they, they're not, you know, sitting behind guys on the bench. They understand modern, you know, modern college football where guys are coming in and they're expecting to, to do more. I mean, unless you're getting clearly beat out by somebody, to, to expecting to be in the rotation and on the field. All right, let's move on to, to Utah. Holy Moses, you can tell I haven't talked football in about three weeks because I am stumbling over everything today. So Utah, I promise I'm going to give you a little bit more attention here. Hopefully, hopefully the uh, the wheels have been uh, winding as we went through that ASU uh, preview. And, and again, we're going to be covering these teams throughout the offseason. Um, so just uh, stay tuned. And as we find news, we will make sure to pass it along. With Utah, interesting you know, turnover in the roster. Obviously, they lose Jake Bentley, which I don't think any Anybody in Utah is, is crying about, um, and they bring in Connor Brewer as the quarterback. Um, they also brought in a transfer out of Texas who had an ACL tear. So one of the things that was interesting for Utah was they they put up their um, they put up their actual 
roster and uh, the depth chart. God bless Kyle Whittingham. I know, good, good American. And uh, and Connor Brewer was listed as first. And now one of the interesting things with quarterback is they got this um, freshman Peter Castelli. Now I'm assuming Robbie's gonna ride the pine this, this first year, or maybe he'll see a little bit of time. Um, but he's a four star, like really high, highly rated prospect. So it's not like Utah is gonna be hurting for talent in the next couple of years. Well, hopefully, you know, on paper they're not at least at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rising was injured early last year. He had won the job in camp, and then you know, un- was you know, unfortunately suffered that ACL injury. Um, and then you know, Bentley came in and kind of stunk up the joint. Brewer is interesting. I mean, I, I like Rising. I, I was I was bummed because I you know I thought the offense was kind of working with Rising a little better. Um, and then Bentley looked like the bad Bentley that we saw in his last season in South Carolina. Brewer is going to be, he is listed at number one. He's the former Baylor quarterback. Those Baylor offenses have been pretty bad for years. The the knock, uh, I mean, and I think people, I talked about this a little bit in the Utah preview video. Um, The knock on Brewer from a lot of Baylor analysts was he doesn't have a big arm. Um, And I actually, I felt like that was a little bit unfair to Brewer because if you think that, if you think your offense is being held back by the quarterback's arm strength, like, it's it's probably time to re-examine how much you know about college football or football in general. I mean, because like honestly, if you go through, arm strength is not a uh, a big predictor of quarterback success. Well, look at Kyle <laughs> yeah. Trask, right? That that was the big thing with him. He's like, hey, I mean, look at Peyton Man. Look at Peyton freaking Manning. <laughs> I mean, the the main thing is decision making and accuracy, right? Like those are those are the those are the ones you really need to have. Um, and then if you can throw it through a barn, like that is a, that is a wonderful add on, right. But not a necessity. So I, I, I do have questions about Brewer because while I say like the knock on him was arm strength, like the offenses he was in, some of it was that Matt rule just didn't have a great, you know, you know, offensive design. It was a defense first team with him at Baylor. Aranda had tried to get things going with Larry Fedora, but I mean, it just didn't work. Some of it was Fedora, but I, I'm interested to see Brewer in a new offense and a new scheme and, and see how he fits. I mean, there were times when it, it worked offensively, I think, uh, with the Bears, but uh, I don't know. So I, I actually, I, I think Costelli has a, a fighting chance. I, I wouldn't, you know, write him out um, in this year because I don't know that, I mean, with rising out and, I don't know that I've seen enough from Brewer to to, to buy in that he's just going to seize the job. Oh, come on now. Now, 65% completion rate in 2019, 3,100 yards, three to one touchdown rate, like to interception. All right, let me, let me pull up because I will pull up. Yeah. Last, last year though. I mean, I, I get it, but no, no, uh, the year before they sucked. Yeah, but that was, those were his 2019 stats. He was fine. And they were at 40, they were at 40 overall. They were at 41 and effective pass. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're Utah, right, don't you take that? <laughs> I mean, if you're Utah, you would take it, right? Like, you like compared to last season, I think, for Utah, um, where they dropped all the way to number 65 in beta rank, but they were better the year before. I mean, in 2019, they finished at 20 in beta rank and on offense. Oh, that, yeah, well, um, that's because, God, who's the quarterback? I can't, can't believe I'm forgetting. Huntley. Oh, yeah. I want to give him yeah. a big hug. <laughs> like I mean, awesome. Hunt, like Huntley wasn't asked to carry a lot of the load, but when he did, he was really good. I mean, the game, the Huntley game that always jumps out to my mind is that Washington game yeah. where Washington was able to scheme to take away Moss, right? And to slow down that, you know, uh, that Utah rushing attack. 
Um, and it would, they put the game on Huntley and he was really able to, to pick that Washington secondary apart. And that's not something you say very often about Washington. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. And to your point on Brewer. So in 2020, his numbers did dip. Now I'm assuming most people's numbers dipped in 2020, but, yeah. um, 1900 yards and you know, they didn't play the full season, 1900 yards, 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So a lower touchdown interception rate. Uh, the, the other thing to mention with him though, is, I mean, he had 15 touchdowns on the ground between the last two years, uh, about 500 yards. So, look, I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna blow your mind, but just the fact that he's able to add that to his repertoire, I think, is is pretty exciting. Um, I mean, like, look, he's not going to be LaQuinta Jackson, who is the Texas transfer, um, but I don't think we're going to see Jackson this year. I think it's going to be next year um, where he's going to be competing for the job. But yeah. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, like Brewer could lose the job. Uh, you know, Castelli is like. The, he he will likely be, um, well, you know, that's what they said about Jack Tuttle and he's gone too. But like he was a big time recruit that like that Utah was able to land at the quarterback position. So um, I just think that there's going to be some depth moving forward. Um, and, and the fact that Ludwig can do some fun stuff um, in the offense, you know, like I, I, if I'm a Utah fan, I'm pretty excited about the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, I just feel like the, isn't the, the main thing with this Utah team really just come down to on the offensive side, you know, what is this, you know, how bad is this offensive line? <laughs> and they return a lot again, right? I mean, yeah. that was the, like, they lost Huntley and they lost Moss off the 2019 team, you know, but they returned, you know, I think they returned all five starters on the offensive line. They were bad. I mean, they were really bad last season. Um, they graded out of, you know, pro football focus had them one or nine. That was not much higher. They were in the seventies the year before we had really said they had to improve. Zach Moss covered up for a lot of the sins of the development and coaching that they have on the offensive line because Zach Moss was a yards after contact machine, um, you know, for the Utes. Uh, you know, and I, we, you know, it's true. Like, I, there, there's definitely some things to like about, um, you know, who, you know, what they were able to put together offensively last year. Mostly, you know, mostly on the ground with the uh, the young man that unfortunately passed away. You know, I, I think that. I think that the this Utes team, though, it's really like for the offense, it's really going to depend on whether the line can gel better. Because if they're not able to run the ball effectively, and they they really weren't last season, they were at forty seven an effective rush, um, and then Bentley was so bad, and the line was so bad protecting him, they dropped all the way to seventy four an effective pass. They just really struggled, and they weren't terribly explosive. Seventy one an explosive drives. I mean, Ludwig can usually put together at least an explosive offense. Um, so they've got, I think they've got some work really, you know, coming into to this you know season to really figure some things out. Ludwig has, um, you know, I think, you know, in the past been able to, um, you know, like at least find ways to scheme around some of the issues that, you know, the personnel issues that he's had, but I don't know. I just doesn't, I, I gotta, I gotta see him be able to pull the, pull the rabbit out of the hat with this unit. Well, and it was a young unit last year. They had three freshmen. Now, one of them was returning from a two-year mission. But, like, I mean, it's it's not like, you know, when you're grinding out, like, uh, mission work, you're not – it's not like you're in the gym 24-7. So the fact that uh, they were able to get some production um, out of uh, Jaron Kump, who had five starts last year, I, th- I thought was pretty impressive. Um, one of the things that we had talked about with Hithliday was um, – I think it was Oleseni, the, the Juco All-American – and, you know, he was penciled in at the left tackle position. 
and uh, Hippolyte just kind of mentioned, you know, he he came in and just wasn't able to handle the job. Well, he's been moved back to, you know, the backup right you know, right tackle now. So just kind of to highlight how that line has shifted. Uh, Nick Ford returns, and they might actually move him to center uh, because uh, Orlando Umana was hurt last year. So, I mean, like, yeah, it, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm, like, not making excuses for them. Um, this, this offensive line wasn't, like, you know, exploding – you know, bursting forth with energy, um, but they were young and they do return those pieces. And for the most part, uh, Utah has done a fairly good job of uh, building up talent over time. I don't know. Are you kind of bullish on like just on the coaching staff? I mean, I used to, I used to call their offensive line kind of like you know, Steve Job talked about the cloud. You know, it just it just works like just just trust me, this is going to work. Um, didn't work last year, but over time, it just seems like I don't know. Like I, I tend to give the Utah coaching staff the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they've had two bad years in a row. So that's where I just, I don't know. Like I, I, I need to see these guys who are mostly the same guys we've seen actually put it together, you know, without Zach Moss there to cover up for their problems and without Tyler Huntley there. Right. Too. Like, I mean, I, um, yeah. I, it could make, it could make for a long offensive year, I think for them again, you know, cause I, I don't know that they have anyone on the roster right now if you're looking through that is going to have a Huntley like year right and I don't know that they have a back that you look at that's going to you think oh he could have a you know he could have a a Moss like year um, with yards after contact yeah and it was interesting I mean like now this is just 2020 but you didn't like you just assume over time like Utah has raised their recruiting rankings every year and again yeah absolutely yeah and every team like you know like with all the caveats like recruiting isn't everything you need the coaching staff blah blah blah, blah. well like Utah for the most part has the coaching staff and they've upped to their recruiting but at the offensive line like in 2020 they didn't have anybody like that was a mid to high three star maybe they had like one mid start like offensive lineman but nobody that jumped out you, know, you take a look at the positions and it's like wide receiver or, you know, or linebacker or <laughs> defensive back. You're like, hey, wait, where are the offensive linemen? Um, I, you know, but there there is has been a past history of bringing those guys up. It'll be interesting to see if they do it this year. But, yeah, I hear you. Like, that. that's obviously the, the biggest issue for Utah moving forward. Um, at the running back. You like the, tight, you like the tight ends, right? Like, oh, yeah. I like some of the running back talent. I just think it's a challenge given how well they've been blocking yeah, and to bring in uh, some transfers, one out of Oklahoma, TJ Pledger, who was um, lost his spot to Seth McGowan, but he had five touchdowns, you know, had almost four, 450 yards at Oklahoma. Um, they had Chris Curry, who started two games at LSU, including the playoff game when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was hurt. So he's like, I, I think that, you know, obviously with, with the, the, the hole that they have at the at the running back position, they went out and they were able to fill that hole as quickly as possible. Um, in addition, they have like Ricky Parks and Micah Bernard. Like, there's some talent there uh, to run the ball, but can the offensive line really give them the space? So I totally hear you on that. And I always feel Rob like I'm beating a dead horse when we talk about the wide receivers. At, oh yeah, at Utah. Yeah, I I just heard this stat. I thought it was really fascinating that um, Utah was last in the nation in throws to their outside wide receivers. Which doesn't surprise me one bit, though. No, I mean not at all. I mean, Covey really, you know, didn't play outside, and he's, you know, really their their most reliable wide receiver. Um, and then you have the good tight ends. I mean, it's they're they really were, you know, down the middle of the field team. Yeah, when you take a look at the talent, right? Britton Covey returns. Now he's not going to be on the outside. He's going to be he, he's sleezing around in the middle of the field like a boss, just taking hits like a freaking man. Um, 
you have Cole Fotheringham who returns, but Brant Keithy really is the the star, um, and he returns. So it'll be fun to see that. Uh, but on the outside, right, like we just talked about them losing Brian Thompson. Um, you, you take a look at the talent that they have. I, I frankly, Rob, am not that big of a fan of Solomon Ennis. And I know like a lot of people that were pretty high on him. Like I need to see it, you know, and the, now obviously last year was a Titan season, hundred yards, one touchdown, um, in 2019, 158 yards, Jalen Dixon returns, um, you know, he had 350-ish yards in 2019, but none in 2020. Obviously, like, didn't see the field. But I just, I don't know. Like, it it, it just seems like we're kind of back to where we started with the with the wide receiving core on the outside and the fact that they weren't even throwing to him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's problematic, right? I mean, there's not anybody that sort of jumps out at you as a real threat, um, you know. And, I mean, look, Ludwig, I mean, Ludwig can be, really creative. I mean, he can throw the ball around like he did at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he can absolutely, you know, he can run the ball, you know, as well too. He can incorporate a little flex bone and you'll see something like a tight end end around, you know, <laughs> in his offense. I just, it's hard. It is hard to see this offense, you know, being able to really get things going outside. I mean, costello has got a big arm. He could, you know, he can zip it out there, you know, rising certain I, I think the thing that intrigues me is rising's, legs and his ability there um, if he ends up as the QB because that might open some things up, right? Like, I mean, if they're able to run the ball effectively, use the QB, you know, to essentially free up a blocker, uh, make the defense have to cover that. Maybe they can get the safeties to come down um, and get some single coverage out there and maybe somebody can break out. Who that's going to be, though, with Thompson gone is an open question to me. Um, no, I totally hear you. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do on that front. Let's Rob, let's go to their defense, but let's do it right after this. All right, we're back and we're talking really the greatest thing that Utah fans always want to talk to you about, which is their defense, um, because it's it was good. And uh, I think the biggest question last year was the secondary, really young secondary. Can they put it together? And for the most part, Rob, it seemed like like right if you're a Utah fan, I mean, you have to come away from last year thinking, hell yeah, <laughs> we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the defense, I mean, again, like Paxwell, a bit of a small sample, but the defense was pretty good. They finished out at 18 overall in beta rank. Uh, they were 19 against the run, 27 against the pass. I'm not surprised that they took a little bit of a step back against the pass, given how many you know, guys in that secondary ended up in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, like I, <clears throat> I, you know, they have some real things to hang their hat on. I mean, number five in drive efficiency, number three in negative drives. Gave up some big plays, and that's something that they're going to have to clean up. But I just I I don't think the difference I think of versus the you know this this defense coming into this season, which I, I think could finish out in the top ten potentially, um, versus years past, is there's no there's no it doesn't feel like there's a big name star that we know, um, you know, on this defense coming in this season, right? I mean that's there's nobody in particular, there's no big name pass rusher to, to sort of like point to that to sort of, you know, emerge. But I still think that there, you know, there's a really, you know, there's an interesting unit there that, you know, it may not, they may not have any big names, but I think they end up playing pretty well as a whole. Yeah, I hear you. I would argue that Devin Lloyd is somebody that, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to talk even more about this year and him returning. Like there was even some questions on whether he would go to the NFL. 
um, he has returned. And the fact that he's paired up with Nephi Sewell, who I just freaking like there was four games of him. That's all I got to watch. And it was it was he was so fun to watch. I like was all in on those those four games. Um, so it was kind of fun to see them because we always kind of joked that um, that the linebacking core at Utah, it's always kind of like a giant question mark. And then they just put people in there and like, up, oh, ta-da. Yeah. And they did it they, again. They convert, a, <laughs> they convert some safety or something. And it's just like, oh yeah, that worked out. <laughs> now I, I know that these guys were a little bit more of the traditional folks, but like just the fact that we were kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, who knows if Sewell's good, but we'll find out. And of course he was, um, you know, Mika Tafua, who was second team all conference last year, but like, I, I hear you up on the front. Um, uh, Vianney Moala was the Hawaii transfer and he did a pretty decent job. Um, uh, but he's not right. like that star Lotulele kind of, you know, that, Oh my gosh, that guy is just a monster. Um, so the edges are pretty good. Max Tupai, um, also is there. So I think there's bodies, but you're right. There isn't that like one dude that just roars off the page on the defensive line this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, that's the, that's why I think there's, there's less, sort of talk of the, I mean, there's no, you know, an eye out there, you know, ready to step in that people are going to say, Oh yes. Like clearly, you know, um, you know, and I, or, you know, a Jalen Johnson on the back end. That said, I, I think that overall you're, you're talking about some really good players. You know, I think Scally still does just a phenomenal job as the defensive coordinator. They've got tremendous continuity on the staff. I, I like what Utah does having, you know, the two defensive line coaches. I think it gives them some really good coaching and development on the defensive line. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think when you look at this team and, you know, how they scheme and how they go, I I think, they, I really do, I think this has an opportunity, they have an opportunity to have a, a, a top 10 defense this next season. And that's that feels remarkable because they were 130 in returning production on defense last season. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And when we talked about the need for high-level recruits to come in and how Utah has started to fill that need, I mean, this is where you see it, right? Van Fillinger is a top five or top 20 defensive uh, end. You have uh, Xavier Carlton, who also came in as a really highly touted recruit. Clark Phillips saw the field last year and is at, likely going to start at cornerback. He was a high five, uh, four-star in 2020, so he's going to see the field. And it's interesting because we had some interesting players like Nate Ritchie, who uh, just left for his LDS mission, and he was a high four-star. Sione Fotu, who is uh, actually filled in at linebacker really well, he's going on his mission, so they're going to have to fill those two spots. I just think it's so funny that you're going to see like Sione Fotu like, knock on somebody's door. You're like, oh my god, this guy, <laughs> this guy's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm sure he's like the nicest person in the world. Though. Holy Moses! <laughs> Do you have a minute to spare, brother? <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on in, man. Whatever you want. <laughs> Um, they do have a four-star defensive tackle to, uh, I think it's uh, Tavita Fotu. So I, I, all that to say is like, um, there, there's some talent here and it's not just on the field, but it's also in the wings as well. Um, some of these younger players that may not necessarily start, but they're going to add depth and give Utah, um, some pieces really to, to make some noise, hopefully, um, for Utah fans in 2021. Um, I don't know. Anything else on this defense? I have, I have definitely a question for you, but um, anything else on the defensive side? No, I think you hit on something that I think is really true. Utah's been improving their talent level. They're at 26 overall in their two-year rolling recruiting. That's terrific from where they – I mean, they've really built up to that. Um, and they have some they have some players that if they can cash in on and, and continue because their coaching and development is at number 12 overall – They've really done a good job over the years developing talent, turning three stars into NFL players. 
Um, you know, I, I think if they can, you know, if, if they can continue that work with the four-star talent they're bringing in, I, I think this Utah team could be something special. There's just, and we expect the special teams to be good. I mean, I, I titled the preview like the old recipe because this feels like an old recipe Whittingham team. Really good defense, solid special teams, um, and the offense is a bit of a question. <laughs> <laughs> so both of these teams on a neutral field. Now, don't look at Baderink yet. What what would your guess be? It's a toss-up. I already know. I've been preview. I've pre- I've done this week. I I'm sorry. I've cheated. I did ASU like three or four days ago, and I did Utah today, including going through their schedules. Because <laughs> who, who, <laughs> so, okay. I was going to say like ASU. I take by Utah. One. Oh, you take Utah. Okay. Yeah, I know, but it's I would only take Utah because I think ASU's defense is going to be good. I think Utah's defense will likely be better. Yeah. Um, I think ASU's offense has more upside than Utah's offense. But the one thing I know I can hang my hat on, and I think ASU has a chance to have good special teams too again this season, um, but I just feel like the one thing that you can definitely hang your hat on in this would be Utah's defense. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's all it comes down to for me. <laughs> and like, I, you know, I can see a scenario where the offensive line gets a little better, but they're at least able to run the ball. They're, they're going to get it to fathering hand or, uh, um, Keithy and fathering hand, but yeah. mostly Keithy and, um, and just kind of control the game. But I mean, Herm, I, like, yeah, I think that, that goes to your point. Like it's going to, like, it is a toss up. Like Herm will, Herm's going to keep it close and their defense is pretty good. But, um, you know, if Utah is able to pressure Daniels, then I think that really changes how the game functions. Uh, and I think they yeah. have the opportunity to do that just with them being able to blitz and, and the, the big bodies they have on the line. Um, yeah, anyway, so I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. Because <laughs> Utah, Utah always puts pressure, like makes you answer the question of can, can your backs block, right? Because if your back or your tight end stays in the block, they're a green dog team. And so that, that, that linebacker who has that responsibility is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, if you flipped it around though, I mean, like if you looked at this Utah team against ASU, you know, like could, can, you know, ASU, you feel, you feel pretty confident that they could put the clamps down on Utah's running game um, and then try to force, you know, try to force them to, to throw the ball, you know, to win the game. I mean, it, it, like I, it, it really again, like it just comes down to I have just have a little more faith in Utah's defense. But I got to tell you, like I mean, you could you could easily like sit down. We could talk about this for twenty minutes, and I could just change my mind and go with ASU because I I am concerned about that gap between where I think ASU's offensive upside is and, and where the Utes are. Yeah, take the under. I mean that that would be the that'd be the. Oh point yeah, no, game. do not. <laughs> like Kyle Whittingham was going to squeeze because they've got UCLA. Like there's there's four teams that are kind of grouped together at the top of that Pac-12 South, and you just feel like each of the games with Utah, like Whittingham is just going to squeeze down the number of possessions, try to end up ahead on the turnover battle and play good special teams. <laughs> Old school, not, not fun to watch. I mean, like you remember like, those Washington, that Washington slobber knocker and. You know Salt Lake City, and then followed like the repeat of that, the you know the rubber match and the Pac-12 title game, which is like no offense and just the quarterbacks just taking a beating. Oh, so gross! It's totally gross. <laughs> um, yeah, and w- by the way, so next, let's do this next episode because we're hitting up on an hour now. Um, let's let's start going through 
um, possible games to go to now that things are opening up. And I just got my first vaccine shot, so I'm excited to see. I get my second shot tomorrow morning. Pumped. I, we, we should record afterwards just to see how sick you are. <laughs> I had I had side effects after the first one. I mean, not like that. Like, get your shots. Like, you're an adult. You can handle some side effects. Like, I had some headaches and some achiness, right? Like, so I'm kind of hopeful that, like, I won't have side effects for this one. I'm hopeful. Just crossing my fingers. <laughs> my favorite sign at any NCAA game was um, somebody had a, a sign at, uh, it was the first round, and it said, bear down and vaccinate your children. <laughs> That's a sign. Yes. Like in the middle of the NCAA tournament. It's hysterical. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, die. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start taking a look at some of these games because there's going to be some really interesting ones. Um, like ASU-Utah, I think, is going to be an amazing game. Um, and uh, and the Pac-12 South overall is just going to be a fascinating conference outside of Arizona this year. Um, so we will keep an eye on that. Stay tuned. Um, we're going to definitely do UCLA next week. And then, um, Rob, who, who, who do you want to do along with UCLA? Should we do a North team or should we, I mean, our options are like, if we stayed in the South, it'd be Colorado, Arizona, or USC. Let's do, let's do Colorado. I kind of want to do like one good team and one okay team. And then, you know, and then USC will make <laughs> up for Arizona. <laughs> USC, I mean, because I think there's a more, I, I like the Bruins. Um, Beta rank likes the Bruins. Um, there's a case to be, there is a case to be made that some of it's some COVID inflated data with them, but, um, I think they could be good coming into this next year, but I, there's, there's an easier case, if you will, that like USC has USC's floor is higher than UCLA's at least. I don't know that there's, I don't know that there's ceiling. I mean, USC in theory ceiling is, but where they will actually land under Clay Helton is a different story. Yeah, you, you should pin a tweet that just says like I, I am not planting my flag on my UCLA data. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not planning like the Pac twelve is the data is just bonkers, right? I mean, we only have a handful of non conference games to really tie the Pac twelve into the rest of the conference. That's it. I mean, UCLA played pretty well within the Pac twelve. It's just I mean, the question with them is like, uh, can you not turn the ball over? Yeah. <laughs> which which is like UCLA has convinced me after a couple of years of this under Kelly and with Dorian Thompson Robinson, because a lot of turnovers are randomness, especially fumbles, right? UCLA is not as random as other teams. Like there is, there, there is a consistent signal going on with all these turnovers. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's do, um, all right, let's do Colorado and UCLA next week. All right. And, sounds good. And roll through those. All right, everybody stay with us. We're going to record next week. We'll keep these rolling and um, and send us any questions. So uh, at 12 Pack Radio or at uh, Sharp College Football. Is that where you're taking the question? Rob, where are you taking questions most? Uh, I do answer it. I answer comments on YouTube videos. I um, I will also answer if I post it on Reddit and somebody hits me with a question there. I will answer questions there. Uh, I do take most questions um, through Twitter, um, either at Sharp College Football or uh at my own account at beta rank fp yeah i got you um we will but check out the videos we're getting a lot of traction nice like i've i think that's like the some of like i think the texas video is like over 1500 views or something like that at this point how is the response mostly good i mean it was the first one i'd done in like a while like of course you take like a break uh where are we at here no i lied it's not 1500 it's 753 I've, I've, I was looking, I was like, it has to be close. It's not. Um, but some of the, 
like uh what is another one like iowa state 682 like we're we're rolling like we've we've uh you know doubled the number of subscribers i'm, I'm pumped nice we'll check that out sharp college football on youtube um, and then we also have email account. So 12 pack radio at gmail.com sharp college football at gmail.com. So anyway, any, any questions that you have, you know, within reason, well, we'll answer them. We'll answer them. Um, send them our way. We have, uh, we have lots of teams to cover, but we also want to get to those questions too. And we'll catch everybody next week.